Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Riff Heart Podcast. My guest today is John Nolan, who is a singer, multi-instrumentalist, and lead guitarist for the band Taking Back Sunday, who, by the way, has a new album coming out October 2023, and it's called 152. Anyways, this is a really cool conversation because I really think that he's got one of the coolest guitar styles out there, and it's very subtle. Uh, you wouldn't think of it because it's not hyper flashy but if you listen to any taking back sunday song you'll notice that the guitar parts are always exactly right for the song you know no matter what it is that the guitar part is it's always just right like just the right amount of everything and that takes a lot of uh a lot of good taste in my opinion so we talk about that and also some inspiring stuff about how he made it through some of the toughest parts of his career, which I think is applicable to people at any stage of their journey as a musician or as a member of a band or really any type of creative trying to make that their life. I'll stop talking. Here goes. John Nolan, welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I'm curious. I've actually wondered this about you and uh, musicians and artists who kind of take on a similar role as you, but piano, guitar, vocals, multiple projects, sometimes writing mm -hmm. songs that go for a movie, like all different types of output um, through different formats, mediums, instruments. How do you see yourself? Like if you were to define yourself as a as an artist or musician, how do you, how do you see yourself? I think that I mostly see myself as a songwriter. Um, and uh, I, I always look at almost everything that I do, whether it's playing an instrument or singing, um, it, it's all really, in my mind, a lot of times, it's just a tool to get the, uh, the song across, you know, more than, um, than to try to, I, yeah, I don't feel necessarily like when I'm singing or playing guitar, I'm like blowing anybody away or anyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. I kind of feel like, uh, hopefully the song that I'm singing you know, or performing is what's uh, amazing to people and everything else is kind of in service of that. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I saw in the pre-interview that you said that one of the big drivers with writing, especially with the new album is uh, asking yourself, what is it that can make somebody who's hearing this feel something? Yeah. So, so then everything you do, I'm assuming is just in, service of what's going to have the most impact. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the goal. And, you know, like with, with taking back Sunday, if, um, you know, everybody's involved in writing. So, you know, there are lots of songs where my contribution as a writer is, uh, is, is, is less than others. And so sometimes then it's, then the focus that you're talking about is I think what I will kind of shift to, well, I guess to, I'll try to to shift to that. Well, what can I do to bring this song um, to a point that will, you know, make people feel 
feel it and what will help get this song across in the best uh, way possible, you know. So when you're writing in a collaborative context versus on your own, uh, do you have to get into a different headspace or is it kind of just the same thing, just whatever is required? I, it's usually about the same thing. I think that the main thing is like if I write a song on my own, um, I usually don't. I usually don't work it through like lots of different variations and changes. And, and I think like when I work on my own, I'm pretty, pretty quick to, to write a song and be like, that's the song. That's the way it is. And it's going out there, you know, for better or worse. And, um, working with everybody and taking back Sunday, a lot of times, even if it's a song idea from one person, it kind of goes through this whole process and it will sort of develop and change and there'll be some versions of it before it becomes this, this final thing. And so that's really the only difference I think is that, that process of, of once the idea is put out there, whether it kind of just goes straight into being a finished song or goes through a whole transformative uh, process. Do you have a preference? Um, you know, I think it's really, depends um, what I've been doing more of. I think a lot of when I've done uh, solo albums in the past, it's usually tended to be in in between Taking Back Sunday albums. So then it's kind of, I, I feel like after writing and working on an album for a while with the band, I'm kind of ready to mm-hmm. just put something out there, do something that's a little less, uh, yeah, like the, the little more just putting it out there. And then I also feel like that if I do too much of that, it's very clear to me I need um, that that collaborative process to kind of help my bring my ideas to to another level. So I don't really want to do, you know, any one thing too too much. Do you ever feel, you know, when you're working on your own, uh, that you're maybe too much in your own head? Do you ever get that feeling, or? not um you like how so you mean like like a like uh sort of like over analyzing yes. or like uh, critical or with it or something or yeah or like too trapped by your own tendencies i guess yeah i well you know i think it's funny like it's been so long now that you know of writing songs and, and uh you know because even before I was in Taking Back Sunday there, you know, going back to high school, I was pretty much like writing songs as, as soon as I could play the guitar. So, you know, it's a long time and a lot of uh, different phases of it. So I've really found that, um, that I'll go through phases where I just sort of am second guessing things and kind of more in my head. And then other times where it just feels very confident and very immediate, like something happens and I feel like it works and I'm going with it and don't really overthink it, but it really can be these long stretches of, of one or the other. But, you know, generally I think my, my goal is always to try to like tap into something that's more like subconscious and uh, like get past the point of thinking Mm -hmm. too much. And I think just sometimes it's more of a struggle um, than other times. That's that's a very crucial point, actually, I think, for writing. Um, I just know from my own experience and from everyone I've 
spoken to or collaborated with that thinking oftentimes, you know, people consider that to be the biggest obstacle, even though there is a point where it is handy, like after you've written yeah. the the initial bones of the thing, like then arranging it or editing it or cutting it yeah. out, whatever it is that, you know, thinking helps a lot then, but in that, in that original lightning strike of creativity, it's almost like the, the conscious mind is your enemy. I feel. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, it, it, I feel like it does have to almost happen in two parts of, yeah, letting the idea kind of flow out naturally and getting out of the way. And then the second part is kind of thinking about it after that and saying, you know, well, okay, what could we do with this to maybe make it better? And uh, that's one of the, the, the best things about writing with Taking Back Sunday is I can... I, I feel like I can rely on them a lot for that second part mm-hmm. is where I can kind of like have this idea just flow out and just go with it on my own and then bring it to them. And then it kind of, they, we can all get together and they can kind of think about it and suggest it's like, oh, maybe this could happen here and that. And uh, so that's really nice too. Cause I, I feel like I'm much better at the first part than the second part. Like I, I think I'm better at kind of just, getting an idea out, whatever it is, whether it's musical or, you know, vocal or, or lyrical, I'm much better at that than, um, than analyzing and perfecting it after the fact, I think. Oh, that's why power's in the team, I think. Um, so mm-hmm. do you have a process for getting these ideas out? Do you have a way to kind of coax it to coax that state of mind or, uh, or is it something that just happens when it happens? Well, when um, when I was younger, um, you know, before before I had kids, which is you know probably now going back, God, yeah, it's, it's almost like twelve years uh, ago since I, I didn't have kids. Um, but back then. I would be very casual about it, everything, whether any kind of I, creative ideas, I would a lot of times just let it happen when it happened. And that, then that would mean sometimes like I wouldn't really write anything musically or, or lyrically for weeks or months. And then I'd usually just hit this, uh, this, this next period of just lots of ideas just mm-hmm. kind of flowing. Um, so I would usually just let it, let it happen like that. And, um, but then, you know, I, I, after having kids, you know, your amount of time is just so different. You can't, or, I mean, I found that I couldn't just wait around for, for some kind of inspiration to hit me. Cause, uh, there's just so much more going on in day-to-day life. And if you, you could get to a point of waiting around and, and then, you know, realize that it's been six months since you've done anything. So I, I realized after a little while that the best thing to, to do is, is really kind of keep a steady process of mm-hmm. trying to come up with ideas in any form, even if it's not the most fully realized idea, even if it's just jotting down a line here or there or recording a 
little piano part for 30 seconds or guitar part or something. And, um, but just to try to keep it going. And, uh, that's really seems to be the best thing. And, and really now that's kind of the, the main challenge. I find that if I get out of the habit of coming up with ideas and keep and getting things going, then the, uh, the, uh, the, it, it gets harder to do it. It's almost, it's like, you know, almost like, uh, like an exercise exercising or something mm-hmm. like you're doing it. The more you're doing it regularly, the easier it is to do it kind of. And if you stop for a while, it becomes more challenging again. It's like a momentum thing. Yeah. I definitely felt, felt that. Yeah. It, I, I've thought a lot about the momentum inertia thing. Cause I also have had these periods of not writing for a while for yeah, months or something. And then it's like trying to restart. It's trying to start like, like an old van or something that needs to yeah. eat up for a while. Um, and then eventually yeah. good ideas just happen and just goes, but that doesn't happen so much. If I just make a point of writing something each day yeah. and it doesn't have to be like the greatest thing on earth. Actually a friend of mine, um, was on this podcast uh shout out to kevin thrasher um he's a songwriter for lots of uh you know pop acts or um big rock bands a big professional writer and he does this thing that um and i'm curious if you do something like this uh it's one of the most helpful concepts i've ever heard regarding writing it's called writing for the trash basically he mm-hmm. sits down to write and the idea is not you're trying to write um, the best song ever, not trying to write a hit, not trying to write the song that's going to define a generation, actually trying to write okay. something that's going to go right to the trash and just <laughs> do it every single day because mm-hmm. that removes the pressure of yeah. trying to write something great, but it just keeps you in that momentum. It keeps you in that momentum and then uh, invariably great stuff will happen and then you can focus in on those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I never, um, thought about it in that, in that perspective. That's like a funny way to put it to, to write. For it's, the kind track. Of, it's humorous, but yeah. Yeah. It but it's, uh, I, I think that, yeah, I think the, it's a similar idea that I realized after a while is that, um, whether it's going to go in the, the trash or not, it's, it's just the most important thing is coming, is continuing to, to come up with ideas and, and to not be concerned about how good they are or how not good they are. Cause yeah, just continuing to do it is, is the point. Was there ever a time period where that concern, uh, I guess the concern with it having to be great was a blocker for you? I think, I think there was, yeah, I think, um, so of the first, so in 2003, I, I left Taking Back Sunday and uh, I started a band called Straylight Run. And um, we put out our, our first album and our uh, and an EP in uh, probably, so it was, it was probably a two-year span of writing and recording those, those two things. And uh, Taking Back Sunday had put out Tell All Your Friends in 2002. Um, so really in that that span of like 2002 to 2005, 
you know, I had been involved in writing two albums and, and a six song EP. And, um, after, and, and through that whole time, everything seemed to really just come out very naturally and fairly easily, like almost to a point where I had never really stopped to even to think that much about where the ideas were coming from or like, or even anything like we're talking about now. I think back then, if I had heard someone talking like this, I would have said that sounds ridiculous because I just wait till an idea hits me and mm-hmm. then I, I go with it and it's always worked out. Um, but so after that, so then like it was time for the Straylight Run was going to record a, a second full length album. But by at that point, I think I had really like ran through a lot of the ideas uh, that I had had. And then it was that point of kind of like starting uh, from scratch with with just not a lot to work with to, to start a, a second album for Straylight Run. And that one definitely felt that was the kind of the first time it felt more like a struggle. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I think some of the struggle was part of it was, I think some of the expectation of like, cause up until that point, you know, like that, like tell your friends had done very well, this first Straylight run album and the EP, everything had done, you know, generally much better than I ever expected it to. And so I think that was the first point of ever being like conscious of that, like, Oh wow, everything has worked out really well and uh i hope i don't screw this up kind of (laughs) like and that was that's the first time i remember that getting into my head at all and um i do think it kind of like interfered with my creative process throughout that whole second album and then after that i think there was kind of a road a long road back uh to to kind of uh not being in my own way with, uh, with my creative process. So this is interesting to me because I know that a lot of listeners of this podcast and also subscribers to Riff Hard, um, they have this problem and they, um, a lot of them are are not in successful bands yet. Um, they're still very early in, in their journey, but they're already experiencing these blockers of the, the self-imposed pressure of, This has to be great. This has to be great as whatever band I'm listening to. And I think because of, uh, because of the way the internet works where you can see um, like amazing, amazing guitar players. Just if you want to look at guitar players, for instance, you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and just see one after the next, after the next of just ridiculously great players, but not just great players, like great writers too. Just like you can scroll and just see nothing but greatness if you want to, and then compare that to yourself and get discouraged. And then also when you sit down to write, start thinking, all right, it's got to be as good as all these reels I've been seeing, which is similar to that idea of, all right, the sophomore album had success with the first one, got to sit down and beat it. I think that yeah. that's a that's a toughie, and I, I get hit with the question a lot about how do you overcome that. And so I do think it's very interesting to speak to people who have actually done this and found success with it over a long period of time. So where it's not a fluke, yeah, you know, it's not a fluke. It's uh, it's been repeated. So to find out how someone actually got over it in real life and 
kept doing it, I think is a, is a fascinating thing. So I guess that brings me to my next question is how did you get past that? Um, well, you know, I, I think that I was pretty fortunate, like starting out with, with writing and, and playing guitar and singing. I, I don't even know why I had this mindset, but like when I looked at other people playing guitar and other people singing, um, you know, like even back in high school, it was kind of like clear to me that like a lot of people were much better than I was and that I was not going to be able to do what they did. Um, and, but writing songs always was like, um, just so personally, uh, cathartic and enjoyable. And I also felt like I had a, a perspective and like a, you know, something that, that made me unique Mm -hmm. when I would write songs. And so I was able to take the songwriting part of it and say, yeah, there's also lots of people that are better at writing songs than me, but they're not going to write the way I would. And they Mm -hmm. don't have the same perspective and the same um, thing. And then I could also set aside the, you know, limitations of my vocal or my guitar playing and, and just say, this is, this is all an expression of, you know, me. And I, and I do think to some extent, I think that's true with everybody is that's like the thing to, to, to keep your focus on is like, what can you do that's unique to yourself? Mm-hmm. Because there's always going to be somebody who's a lot better than you at anything. And there's always going to be people that are a lot worse too. And, you know, trying to compare either way is I think just really bad. Um, so that being said, I think for some reason that was kind of my, my starting point, my just natural mindset for whatever reason. So then like in the, that time, like after the second Straylight Run album, I think it was almost like a process of trying to get back to my natural baseline um, kind of mindset. I, I think it was, it was trying to, do the same thing of like ignore all of this stuff, whether it was comparing it to things I've done in the past or comparing it to what other people were doing or comparing it to a level of commercial success is to like get back to a point of putting that all aside and just focusing on the fact that I love writing songs. I love making music. It makes me very happy. And I just want to keep doing that and, keep that at the forefront of my mind and get the other stuff uh, pushed to the side. But like I said, it, it, was, that, it was kind of a long, a long while. Cause like the, that second Straylight run album, like commercially and, and everything it ended up not doing well. So then it was like, I had already gone into that one with the, this sort of um, getting in my own way. And then when that commercially was not successful, then it was even more kind of getting in my own way after that of like, well, now you, you screwed it all up. So what are you going to do now? And I don't know, it was probably like two years of continuing to write and continuing to do it, but trying to get my, my head space back to where it naturally was that, that until it, you know, I finally got back there. 
why didn't you quit? I'm just asking because I'm sure you know this story. We all know this story. Someone got into a band or started a band. The band does something cool. Like maybe they get on a major label or some cool indie, put something out, experience some success, and then the the keep man at the at the label leaves then they forget about them they get shelved dropped whatever or you know or they get signed and then shelved or you know for whatever reason they have some success for a moment and then things don't go great and then they quit music like that's the end and then they look at it like yeah it was cool but stuff just didn't stuff just didn't work out whereas everyone i know who's had long-term success has had that time period too, where things were not going so well, but for some reason they didn't quit, uh, whether it's hard headedness or something else, uh, like they'll all say different things, but I'm curious, why did you not quit? Like, why did you keep going? Um, you know, I, I think it, it's, a lot of it is, is lack of a, a backup plan. Um, you know, like, Yes. There, there wasn't really anything else to fall back on. And that was also, I think, part of why I ended up having the success with Taking Back Sunday that I did. And actually, everybody in Taking Back Sunday, we all had that same mentality um, from the beginning and still have it now, which is just like, there's nothing to fall back on. We're not like, do we weren't you know, we were all in our early twenties or or so when the Taking Back Sunday was getting going, all in a place where we could have and probably should have technically had real jobs or you know mm-hmm. uh, a, a degree in something or you know some kind of real life plan of like what we were going to do in a sensible way, and none of us did because our mindset was just this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. And I think it's that's the same mindset that keeps you doing it when things are, are going badly. And, you know, like I remember the, the first couple of years when I, I came back to Taking Back Sunday in 2010. And uh, there was there were some times in that first couple of years of touring where, well, like I know for the other guys, like there was kind of some low points and turnout at shows and stuff. And I was coming off the whole stray light run thing, which got really bad as far as turnout. So it, it was all seemed pretty good to me, but they were, it was not the best at, at a certain point, like in, in their view of like the amount of people coming out. And there was like points where people even told us like friends would tell us like the band is never going to get bigger than this. I mean, this is, this is the right, re- if you're going to keep doing this band, this is what it's going to look like for the rest of your life, you know? Because they're uh, psychic. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing because it it, it is kind of similar too at the beginning with Taking Back Sunday. So many people that just tell you that nobody can make a living being in a band. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, it's, you know, you're just going to be killing time until you have to quit and, and find a real job, basically. So, but, you know, like, I think all of us, didn't have a backup plan. We love what we do. And I think we also though had for whatever reason, a belief and like a real understanding that we 
could do better, that we could be better as a band and as musicians and songwriters. And that as we continue to do that, the band would continue to grow. I think we all just had that. And I don't know. I mean, I think in, in those times, it seems sort of delusional a little bit. And I think it easily can be, but um, I don't know. For, for, for whatever reason, we all have that mindset and it's uh, worked out. I remember watching the this uh, documentary that Slipknot put out in like 2006 or something. So 2005, 2006, where they were talking about their success. Um, and they were saying that they had this mentality among all of them. I mean, that, granted, that's a lot of people. Nine people. Yeah, they got like eight people yeah, in the Nine. Is cr- that's nine. a crazy <laughs> amount of people. But they had yeah. this mentality of what they said was, Never be that guy. Never be that guy. Never. So everybody, they were united in wanting more for the band, and want, and in every single aspect, they always held each other to this crazy high standard to where everybody individually never wanted to be the one to disappoint. Link, kind of right. Yeah, yeah. Powerful stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and I think, and we definitely have that as well. And it does make a difference because it, it, you know, anybody can, anyone in the band has the potential to be that at any point. And if everyone is aware of it and actively trying not to, it always, every they pick, everyone kind of picks each other up and inspires each other. And, uh, it really makes a, a big difference, you know? It's, it's this. So I think that success in music curious your thoughts it does involve some luck there's luck it, not luck as in oh you just got lucky and won the lottery kind of luck it more the luck that the music you wrote happened to resonate with the masses at that point in time like because yeah. you can't control that so lucky that you met the people who you met who had that that chemistry with you and who share that ambition, like lucky that the van never got into some accident where, you know, someone died or something like all there's luck that the A&R guy at the label was in a good mood when you came across his desk because maybe could have been in a terrible mood and just thrown your stuff in the trash. So I feel like that's the luck factor. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering what, in my opinion, so I'm wondering in your opinion, where does luck play in with all this? I think like for anybody in, in music or I probably any creative field, I think it can be, it's a kind of a tough question because there is always some element of luck and there's some element of really hard work and dedication and it can be very hard to, to know which is which, you know? Um, but, you know, like I, if I just think back to, you know, taking back Sunday, putting out our first album, uh, I think there was a certain amount of luck in that if we had put that album out, say like somehow in 1999, I don't think it would have found the same audience. I don't think it, the the timing was quite right for people to uh, 
get into it on the level they did. And if we had put it out in like 2004, we would have been, you know, just another band kind of in this whole wave of things happening. And there was a certain amount of luck with the timing of that, I think. And, and then, you know, when I think about the, the, the members of our band even coming together, there's a, a, a lot of, of random just luck to that, you know, like, you know, even Adam, so our singer, when we first met him, the band had a different singer and we had just lost our bass player and we were in North Carolina playing a show and he lived in North Carolina, having to come to the show, knew people who knew us in the band and uh, started talking to us after about uh, how, well, we needed a bass player. And he's like, well, I, I play bass. And he was willing to come up from North Carolina to Long Island, New York, to uh, try out to be the bass player for the band. And then eventually, you know, probably less than a year later, became the singer of the band. But there's so many things, even in just that set of interactions with us going down there, when we needed a bass player, him being at that show, mm-hmm. him talking to the people who talked to, you know, like so many random things that could have not happened and changed the whole course of, uh, of, of the band. And so that stuff, I feel like I kind of will hurt my head. Um, if I think about it too much, cause there's just like, it just starts to seem like there's no, it either feels like there's completely no rhyme or reason to anything, or there's everything is completely like uh, orchestrated somehow. Um, but then I always think about too, there is like the factors of part of the reason I think everyone in this band came together was because we all had the same mindset, like I had talked about before, and because we'd all just kept working at it. And, you know, we all had been in, multiple different bands with multiple different people by the time we were, you know, 20, 21, and we're just continuing to, to stay out there and meet people and play music with whoever we could. So then there's like that factor that is not luck. That's just kind of like staying with what you want to do and being dedicated to it. And same thing with the album coming out, you know, when it did it, there is luck in that, but it's also like we were the product of a certain, set of influences that that we responded to and we followed and I think kind of like led naturally up to the the type of music we made with our first album you know like it wasn't just completely random that we put an album out with that style of music at that time you know so I don't know I I don't know if that really answers any question because it's all sort of just like I don't know how much um which one is, is which sometimes, but I, I do know it's not all luck and it's not all just uh, hard work. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a bit of both. I think, I think it's a bit of both. I think sometimes people have a hard time with the idea that there's a lot of hard work. And then some people have a hard time with the idea that there's any luck involved because, because if there yeah. if there is luck involved, then that means that all the hard work in the world might not yield the result, which is kind of yeah. kind of terrifying. 
it is. And I, I think that's one of the scary, the scariest things about trying to make it uh, in a band is that's a real possibility. And, you know, I remember too, like with when Taking Back Sunday started to, to get attention and, and get bigger tours and play bigger places, I would look at, at bands that were opening for us or bands that were, you know, I would go see that I was a fan of and they would be on a like much smaller level, but I would be like, these guys are amazing. And there was a, a, a time for a while where it was really hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around that or feel not like guilty somehow. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, I would see all these bands that I felt like deserved much more recognition and to be much more successful and it wasn't happening for them. And there'd be like, yeah, this guilt of like, well, I, this doesn't, this isn't fair, you know, kind of on the other side of it. Like we don't deserve this any more than they do. But then uh, I also kind of realized at a certain point, like I'm not helping anybody else out by feeling guilty or like kind of uh, being <laughs> Uh, bummed about my own level of uh, success. No, because there's factors outside of everyone's control, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not in your control whether the public latched onto their music or not. Yeah. It's not in their control either. It's in yeah. none of our control. But it, it, but yeah. it is, a, it is a, definitely a thing where a band does everything right and still nothing comes of it. Uh, and it just, it just is what it is. But I yeah. guess the question then it's kind of back to what I was asking before is when things went wrong for you with that second album, uh, how did you not for a moment think, all right, it's over like that. That's that. Or do you just not let yourself have that thought? Well, I I felt like I was um, at a point like, so like toward that, like after that, like I, after that, like Australia run kind of like started slowing down. And I think part of it was because of where I was at. And then I started, that was when I first started to do some solo stuff which I think maybe also was part of like my process of trying to like get back to something within myself that just like wanted to make music and do it for its own sake and try to get away from other expectations. But, you know, like I started doing some like solo tours and and I remember there was like shows where like three people would come out, you know, or like, a lot of shows where mm-hmm. it, it would be like 25 people in a place that it, what I thought was going to be a small show to begin with, cause it only could hold like 200 people, you know, and then like 30 people come out or something. And there was good shows too, but there was uh, a lot of like really, really discouraging ones. But I do remember getting to a point where, you know, I honestly, my thought wasn't that like I would, I would stop doing it. It was kind of started to be like, well, I got to uh, figure out how to one, I guess, kind of like recalibrate my life to uh, uh, account for this (laughs) new uh, low in, 
you know, in what my, my income is going to be and, you know, all this stuff. I basically was starting to figure out how I could, you know, just shift my life around to, to continue to do it, but, but not be relying on the, the same level, you know, of success as before. And then also like how to, to, to work, to start working back up from there. So it is kind of a weird thing where it was extremely discouraging and like, uh, yeah, and, and depressing at times. But I, I, the the idea that I would just stop doing it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't like that. I was even trying to stop that idea from happening. It just didn't. It didn't occur to me. That that's great. Um, and I think that that it not occurring to you is a very genuine manifestation of that. No plan B idea yeah. we talked about earlier is like, here we go. Literally no plan B it's, it's at the low point where most people would just give up and that's no, no plan B in action is uh, getting to that point and still figuring out how to, how to make it work. Yeah. So fast forward, you're back in taking back Sunday you put out some more records. They do great. And uh, here we are with uh, yeah. the next one about to come out. So I want to I want to talk to you. I want to switch gears a little and talk about that and talk about actual guitar playing stuff. But, yeah. you know, in thinking about your style of playing, um, it, I was trying to come up with a, a name for it or a, a way mm-hmm. to describe it. Um, and... I came up with a specific, like it's very, very specific. So when I listen to a Taking Back Sunday song, um, if I focus in on the guitars, um, yeah, sometimes it's just uh, strum patterns through a song. But oftentimes I've noticed that you do this thing that, for instance, Edge does in U2, where maybe it's a simple line, but it's a simple line that is crafted for that particular part of the song and then the next part of the song has a part that's very crafted for that part of the song whether it's simple or not it kind of defines that that whole song if you listen to youtube or muse or something like there's a lot of that going on where it's not this crazy guitar work happening but it's also not just power chord riffs and chords just being an accompaniment the whole time like sometimes it does that but then other times you'll get like these cool effect based melodic fragments or you'll get these details so i came up with the word specific so i'm wondering how a specifist or something uh so i was wondering how how do you define like do you consider that at all accurate or way off the mark or how, how do you approach it. No, I, I do think that that's accurate. And I think that's, it's something that everyone in the band is very conscious of with, with the guitar parts is that, um, I think we all have this sense that they need to be their own kind of hook in the song. And I mean, I think really our goal, like for everybody in the band is like for every instrument to be kind of its own hook, you know, I think like at like the best, the best case scenario is everybody doing something that's a little bit of a hook, but it all works together. It's not like, 
a hook in the sense like, oh, everyone pay attention to this and not that, or, you know, they're competing. It's that they all work together. But if you focus on any one of them, there's either like a melody or rhythm that's sort of like memorable or catchy. And so the, the guitar is always that that's always a, <clears throat> a, a thought and, and always part of the process. And to me, like, I always look at it like, so the vocal part, the vocal melody is, is going to be the main hook. So then there should be something with the guitar that complements that melody, but is it's, it's its own melody, you know? So I think that's always, that's always the goal. How does, how does that come together? Um, I guess because, you know, oftentimes chord progression, you know, melody goes on top of a chord progression. Um, in your writing process, like where does that part of the guitar line happen like the complementary hook part a lot of times when we're when we're working on a song together i'll end up i'll have like a melody of some kind that i come up with on the guitar and not all the time but but a lot of the time that'll be happening before everyone necessarily knows what the vocals will be doing so there will be times where I'll have some kind of melodic idea at the beginning, but then once the vocals start developing and start coming into that, I'll end up changing it and, you know, kind of revising it. And so, I mean, sometimes it'll be fortunate that it all works together naturally. And the original thing I came up with stays, but generally I'll go through a few different ideas throughout the songwriting process before the, the, the part is, is finalized. And, you know, and also, like I said, everybody in the band is very conscious of that too. So it, it is something that ends up being worked out a lot of times together where, you know, um, like our drummer, Mark plays guitar and, and he writes a lot of guitar parts for the band. So there'll, there'll be times where as I'm working on, whatever the melody might be, he'll be hearing something and be like, Oh, try this. And then, then that, and see if this works and then it will. So it, it'll be like a, a collaborative process. And usually though, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's kind of like goes through lots of different phases before it gets to the final version on the song. What's the first version usually like, or is there a usually like, like, is there a typical way that, V1 of a song uh, appears? Um, well, usually somebody has an idea for the the basic guitar part for the song. And, you know, that will come from anybody, uh, you know, like, and it's funny, actually, a lot of the time, like the basic kind of riff of a song is usually not what I come up with. Um, and... But, but, you know, somebody, anybody will have an idea and then we'll all start kind of getting in a room and working from that point. And, and then usually like what I'm adding, if I'm trying to add something on top of that initial guitar part, we'll kind of really just start from um, just kind of messing around, just kind of like screwing around a bit, like, you know with scales in the, in the key and looking for melodies and different things. And, um, 
I think to a certain extent, kind of like what we, t- we talked about before to like, it like starts out without trying to like think too much about it and just kind of let some, something happen that, that feels good and, you know, is, is enjoyable to play and then getting that out and then start refining from there. But I, I guess if I'm understanding correctly, usually at that point, there's already kind of, I guess, the bones of the song. Um, it depends. There's a couple of ways that we write. Um, you know, sometimes like Adam or I <clears throat> will have like a chord progression with melodies and lyrics. So then the, the bones are usually are there mm-hmm. and then it's a matter of kind of arranging it and turning it into a fully realized song. Sometimes um, like our drummer, Mark, does a lot of these instrumental songs where he'll do it on like garage band and he'll have like electronic drums and like full arrangement with like strings and pianos. And he'll put these whole musical pieces together that um, could be a song. They're usually at least a verse and a chorus back and forth. Um, And then he'll bring that to us. That usually kind of gets revised into something that sounds more like the band uh, you know, once we all start playing it together and then, you know, there's also like, like, there's a few songs on the new album where our bass player, Sean had, you know, like a verse idea and a good, the chorus idea on the guitar. And that was the starting point. That was all there was. And then we all, you know, worked on it from there. And that happens with Mark too, or, or with me less frequently. And, and I think sometimes with Adam too, is is just like a guitar part that, that, is good enough to kick off uh, the idea of a song. So we kind of have a, a variety of these ways that that songs get get started. What happens when you're not feeling something? Like what's the is there a process or when one person's not feeling it or <laughs> just like just not not there in someone's opinion or all of your yeah. opinions? Well, like on this, on the the newest album, um, before we even like started working on it, we all made an agreement that we weren't going to put anything on the album that everybody was not happy with, like Mm -hmm. that we all had to be on board, Um, which is as simple as that sounds. It's usually (laughs) not that simple, you know, and I, I don't think that we've ever put out a song that anybody in the band disliked, but there's definitely been songs where, you know, it's somebody is really attached to it or a couple people are really attached to it. And one or two other people are kind of like, I don't know. And it ends up making the cut, you know? And so we, we decided we were not going to let that happen. And that really made things challenging because a lot of times what is happening is you know that nobody's putting out ideas and and thinking uh i don't know if i like this idea when they put it out there everything everybody's doing is because they like their idea and they think it's good (laughs) so then when somebody else says no that's not good and i don't like it it's uh it's not easy but I think we, that was one thing with this album is I think we really committed to that that kind of uh, 
discussion when somebody didn't like something, it would be like, right, we got to confront that. And uh, so then a lot of times that, you know, ideas would get either they would, that idea would get set aside and maybe not used or it gets reworked until it's something that everybody feels good about. It's a tall order. Yeah, it is. And it, it was, it, it really made the, the process. Yeah. It definitely made it difficult at times. Um, but I also know that it made the album uh, much better than it, than it would have been if, if anybody had settled for, for things that they weren't happy with. Yeah. Uh, did any of that approach have anything to do with working with a new producer? Like did that, or was that all you guys in advance of that? That was before we even worked with a producer. Um, we like had that discussion. <clears throat> um, and we had like written, like, you know, written most of the songs before we started working with our producer, uh, Tushar. But he, he, when he came into the process, he did a lot to like rearrange songs and like bring these things out that, that weren't there or were there, but sort of like not realized or sort of like hidden or, you know, he, he brought a lot to, to the process of taking the songs to that final level. But we also all worked with him because we immediately knew that all of us trusted him to the point where I think we even said this too, when we started working with him, that he's basically like the tiebreaker now at this point. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is like on the fence of something or being like, uh, I don't know, or whatever, like, he's going to be the one who says yes or no, you know, and we're all, we all trust him. And, and we all knew that, that we trusted him and his judgment to, uh, to make those calls. I think I've said this before. I'll say it again because, uh, I know a lot of the listeners, um, are, uh, are producers or are, um, working up into being, producers and I have this, the other side of what I do is, uh, is for producers and mixers. But, um, one thing that comes up a lot is people saying the band I'm working with won't listen to me. Like they don't want any of my ideas. Uh, they argue with everything. And right. my thoughts are always, well, they don't trust your judgment. That's what it is. Yeah. They don't trust you. And because at least in my own experience working with producers, if I don't trust them, if I don't respect or trust, then of course I'm not going to take their opinions seriously. How, but yeah. I know from experience too, when I've worked with producers or mixers who I trust, I let them be the tiebreaker. Um, and the other members of my band also were just cool with it. It's just like, me and you are not going to agree about this part. I don't like this part. You like this part. There's no amount of explaining is going to make me like this part. Yeah. I just don't like it. But <laughs> we, one thing we can agree on is that we trust this dude's taste. Right? Yeah. We hired him because we love his work. What he says is cool. And even if yeah. he likes the part I hate, I'm just going to defer to him. Yeah. But that requires a lot of trust. 
Yeah, it does. And, and, and also, like you said, everybody in the band trusting too, because sometimes that'll, that'll happen too, where there's, you know, most of the people trust the producer, but you know, (laughs) somebody doesn't. So then there's always that kind of sticking point there too, you know, and, but yeah, I think that is, that has to be the case or else, um, the whole recording process is going to suffer. You know, everybody has to trust the producer. So how does a producer gain your guys' trust? Um, well, I think usually we have to do some, some kind of work with them, you know, before going into committing to like the process of, of a full album. Um, I don't know that we've ever worked with, I don't know that anybody that our first experience with them was in the studio working on the album that we didn't have some kind of like, well, like, like with uh, Tushar, for example, like we were fortunate enough that like we got this, um, uh, Steve Aoki, the DJ just got in touch with us and said he wanted to do a song. Uh, and, and so we said yes. And we met up at a studio and Steve had, uh, Tushar as his kind of engineer, like co-producer working on the song. So that's when we met him. And so throughout the, we worked on the song, like, like for 12 hours in a day and like pulled this whole thing together, but we watched how he worked and how he kind of really did just pull it together. Like we would be working out ideas and recording ideas. And while we were doing that, he's like bringing them into a session and like editing them and like arranging things like almost before, you know, we're done hammering out the idea that we were working on. He had already like pulled out something that he liked from, from that Mm -hmm. and like made it into a part basically. And like, um, so that was the thing, you know, like having that experience with him at the end of it, we all, we're a hundred percent like we want to work with this guy. And then it was just a question of whether he would work with us. But I mean, yeah, I feel like it's very hard unless you get to go into a studio and see how someone does things and where they're coming from. I, you know, I would be always just, yeah, I'm very nervous about going in blind, you know, with anybody because no amount of talking about things ahead of time can really show you what, someone does as a producer in the studio and like during the the whole process talking about music in general in in the process of it is uh it's almost a, an exercise in futility uh, like for instance if uh have an idea for a part you're trying mm-hmm. to convey it to other people yeah. i mean if you're just describing it verbally uh, yeah. they're, they're not, you're not actually conveying the idea necessarily because they're just hearing in their head, their version of whatever words are coming out of your mouth. So it's, a, yeah, it, it's very difficult to, yeah, to get ideas across like that. So uh, in the songwriting process with, uh, taking back Sunday, when you do have an idea, um, that you want to bring to the table that might be left field or might require totally trashing 
a part that someone else worked really hard on or something like that. How, what is the process for presenting a new idea? Well, you know, I think that we've all kind of learned over the years, like that what you're saying is, is true, that explaining an idea it is always uh, very confusing at, at best and like uh, just, and then at worst doesn't get across at all and just uh, takes up tons of time. So what we've mostly all started to do is really like record ideas ourselves or like, you know, even with some of the, the, the new album, the ideas would be about <clears throat> like rearranging parts to a song or cutting out a section of the song and, you know, changing the structure of it. And a lot of times, or I know like I would go and like take my laptop or whatever I had and just do the edit on the demo and then bring it back and show everybody like, this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think of this? Mm -hmm. So we've really done a lot more of uh, whenever we can and, and someone has a change or yeah, to, to, to record some version of it or as best possible to show that rather than explaining it. That's a, I think that's everyone listening should uh, take note. Yeah. That's... Because then you're actually showing the, they're actually going to be able to judge the idea itself rather than some yeah. abstract description of the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it can be really easy for someone to have the wrong uh, picture based on what you're talking about with, with your idea. And, and I also realized too, it's like for myself, sometimes I'll have those ideas and when I wait and go edit it together or do it on my own, I hear it back and go, Oh wait, that's not a good idea mm -hmm. actually. <laughs> and then don't even um, present it to anybody because sometimes when you're trying to explain it, you, and you can hear it and picture it in your head. And so you get everyone to do it. And then, and then it's that point where you realize your own idea um, wasn't the best. So yeah, getting an audio version, if at all possible, is, is I think always best for, for everybody to, you know, to, to figure it out before it turns into a, a confusing conversation or uh, an idea that derails the whole process. And then you have to like go back to where you were to begin with. That's why I think it's so important for musicians these days to have just a basic understanding of recording. I don't mean on a yeah. pro level or anything, but just enough to be able to demo your stuff and make some basic edits. I feel like uh, the modern musician, that's just part of the, part of the, I don't want to say required skill set, but highly recommended skill set. Yeah, I I would definitely say that. You know, we're everybody in in the band records their own ideas in like a, a pretty um you know, not necessarily professional way, but you know, like most of us are well versed with pro tools and you know, like our drummer Mark usually I think now is like in like Logic and GarageBand, but like like I said, he's putting these ideas together in GarageBand that are very intricate and very well realized before he's even showing them to us. And like, 
if all of us couldn't do that, I'm not really sure how well we could uh, write together at this point. And, you know, and we're also all old enough where we had to learn those things after we were already Mm -hmm. in a band. So like, but I think we all kind of understood the the value of it uh, pretty quickly. So yeah, I, I can't even imagine trying to, to write with a group of people without everybody being able to record their ideas, uh, at least in a, in a pretty, in a way that they could present them in pretty fully realized. Super old school. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're starting to run out of time. There's one last thing I want to talk to you about. So you also sing and play at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. That, at least for me personally, that's just impossible. I just, I tried it a few times and uh, I can't. And I know there's a lot of people who sing and play at the same time who are not even, you know, they're not even studied musicians. They're like, some people just do it casually, like a lot of singer songwriters. But, uh, but I see a lot of people singing and playing at the same time. um, And it's almost like, two completely different things happening at the same time. And it's always super impressive to me because it seems so difficult. So what I'm curious about is how did you learn how to do that? Um, well, I think that initially it was, I think kind of what I was saying before as, as far as approaching everything based around songwriting. And so if I was going to be a lot of times writing, even writing a song just by myself, I would be sitting there with the guitar and singing the ideas, you know? So I think when I was doing that, I wasn't even really thinking about the challenge of, of singing and playing. And uh, I think I also started off basically just playing chords a lot of times and, and singing. I wasn't doing anything usually that complex on the guitar or piano when I would sing. So I think just kind of starting out there gave me just a, a baseline like idea of how to do it. But it also felt kind of natural to me, whereas also like the idea of standing in front of a microphone without an instrument seems really unnatural to me and kind of Mm -hmm. terrifying. So I think there was also that of feeling more secure, like behind an instrument and less concerned with the challenge of singing and playing it than, than I was with just feeling like I had something to hide behind a little bit, you know, but, uh, and then I think it is just once getting that basic of playing acoustic or playing just chords and singing once getting that down then it was just sort of a a process over time of learning to do more and more uh you know challenging things at the same time as I was singing and and you know that was I think just kind of happened over years and years of 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 playing and, and singing and kind of like trying to challenge myself or in the case of being in Take Back Sunday, sometimes being forced to, <laughs> to challenge myself to sing and play a part because it's like, this is the part and this is what you have to sing. So you have to do them both. So figure it out. And 
that definitely made me better at it. <laughs> the process of figuring it out, would you drill it? Like, would you have to slow it down or put into micro fragments? Or is it just something I, that came together by just doing it over time? I usually um, just would, I, I think generally would do them separately first, learn how to play the guitar part, focus on getting that down, learn what the melody and, you know, words I have to sing are on their own and then start kind of bringing it together. And, um, a lot of times, at least for me, for whatever reason, if I've got both things down, then getting them down like together is just, a lot of times it'll, it feels kind of like, uh, you know, if you're like, like patting your head and rubbing mm-hmm. your stomach or something, just kind of getting your your body to do two different things on, that are unrelated at the same time. Like it almost will start to feel like, just, yeah, just that one part of my body is doing this thing and another part is focusing on that. It's almost like two different parts of my brain doing two different things at the same time. And it just kind of clicks into place for some reason, but I don't really have like a good... Uh, system i don't think or a good like a uh, way to to learn how to do it i think i think i mostly just like learn by by doing it you know you've been doing it a really long time it sounds like start with the basics yeah, I, yeah I, and i've definitely i think did it for a while especially like before, like high school era and and after right after i think i did it pretty badly for a while and like in front of people probably pretty badly for a while and so I do think some of that, at least for me, is like was the way of learning is just being okay with being bad at it for, for a bit. And then that's how I started to get better. That's wise, actually. I think uh, not being afraid to suck is really, really important. I think it is, especially at the beginning. Definitely at the beginning. It, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, if you're very scared of that, you're not going to take the risks involved that you need yeah. to take in order to overcome it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, John Nolan, I think this is a great place to uh, end the episode. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to hang out. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is a, a good conversation. This is for sure. very, very interesting stuff. I like, I like this. Well, thank you very much. <laughs>